Yeah, g'day everyone. Welcome back to the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. Dane here from Clarkie's Rugby League column, joined every week by my co-host Blaze from BKR Sport. Two of the most passionate Gold Coast Titans fan around with the goal to bring you a quality podcast every week and share some positivity amongst the Gold Coast community. BKR, how are we this week, mate? Yeah, not too bad, man. Obviously, we had the, the buy round, so I can put my feet up this week because uh, I've been to every game so far this season. And it's been a, a slog considering that obviously we've had a lot of away games to start off the year. And now we start to get to that home stretch and I'm excited to, you know, get those home games going. We do obviously get to go down to see you guys down there in Canberra in a couple of weeks time, though. And we still have a trip to Cronulla and Melbourne and, and Parramatta on the horizon. But the point of the matter is, is that we do get a lot of home games to finish off the season. So this bye week has been a good refresher and then we crack on again against our, our big rivals from up the road man i think i said this last week but i just i can't wait for the, the camp trip to catch up with you again it's going to be a great weekend and if we can get that win, uh, win down here it's going to be bloody awesome yeah I, I like what you said there a lot of home games to finish this year and it's certainly not an easy finish we've still got some really tough games but hard not to be excited given we currently sit in ninth on the ladder right yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely excited. I, I genuinely still believe this team is going to be in the top eight this season. But, uh, you know, just to quickly go back over what you just said about Canberra, I'm not looking forward to getting down there for the cold. And I would assume that the, the boys aren't either. Because right now, the Gold Coast, it's like 17 degrees, but it feels like nine degrees, five degrees. But right where you are, it's legitimately like zero degrees right now, isn't it? Minus five, mate. Now, I'll tell you. I have a, uh, a Tesla, so you don't open it like a normal door. You have to <laughs> press in the handle, and the handle comes out to you. My car was so frozen over today, I physically could not get into my car because I couldn't uh, press the handle. It was frozen so badly. Um, I guess that's a just, uh, what do they say? First world problems there. Complaining about that. But um, I'm not looking forward now. You know what? You can look forward to the camper trip. I'm not looking forward to the camper trip because I know if I'm cold, the boys are cold. We're all going to be cold. And listen, we're probably going to have to cuddle on the sideline, man, to keep warm because that is that sounds freezing to me. That sounds absolutely freezing. Either that or we need to help the Titans merchandise team. Can we please get a double Udi so the boys <laughs> yeah. can uh, be in tight exactly and right. uh, stay nice and warm here at GAO? But it is at this point of the show we would usually recap our previous game. Of course, we didn't have one. Um, so we'll, we'll just go through the season so far. We sit currently ninth on the ladder. We have had all three of our buys. Some teams ahead of us haven't had all three of their buys. We currently sit with six wins and seven losses. And I suppose just a quick recap of what we went over last week. I think we both agreed our season's probably at about a B- minus at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, def there's definitely positives to it, and that's why it's in the B range. But I would put that that minus on there due to those second half fade outs that hopefully are a thing of the past now. But, you know, obviously, you know, the, I still think there's been enough positives in the season to say that it is a B uh, and then just, yeah, take away a little bit there. But it's still been positive. Absolutely, man. I think you think we've only lost one more game, lost one more than we've won. So we're six and seven. And I just go back to the preseason and the talk from all other fan bases, and it was. Titans are the spooners. Titans for the wooden spoon. They've got to be, you know, these signings won't matter. That's every year, though, Feet man. is overpaid. And I think we have, you know, done really well for all the outside noise and potentially optimism, Blaze. But I think we are set up well for the future with someone like Brett White, as I keep going back to. First few years as the assistant coach at Raiders. They were around the eight, weren't doing too much. But then after he was established there, straight to the grand final. We know Holbrook can win a grand final in the Super League. So I'm excited, man. 
Yeah, look, especially on Brett White there, I think that he's copped a, a lot of heavy criticism in the first, what, three months that we've had uh, him under tenure at the Gold Coast. And look, obviously, uh, at the first game, it looked like it was going to be all uh, sunshine and daisies when we beat the Tigers 22-10, and then we found out pretty quickly that it is going to take a little bit of time to, to really restructure this defense. And as Jaden Campbell was on the face-to-face on, on Fox League or Fox Sports um, the other night, uh, it just shows the the impact that he's having with the playing group and, and what kind of impact Brett White has had on specifically a guy like Jaden Campbell. And if, if that's what Jaden's saying specifically about the man, then I can guarantee you that pretty much everybody there is under the same belief. So yeah, it does take its time. And as a club, the Gold Coast Titans, we have had a lot of years of unsuccess and disappointment. So it's it's hard to hear the same reoccurring words of, you know, be patient, it takes its time because we've had, we've been patient, you know, we're still waiting. Uh, But again, we just kind of have to. We have gone with a new defensive structure. Uh, You know, hopefully Justin Holbrook is is really implementing that structure in well alongside Brett White. And they they headhunted him, man. They went went for Brett White and and got their man. So that means that the club knows what they wanted. They got what they wanted. And we just have to trust the process in that regards. But I do understand the frustrations from the fans. You know, we, we have been very patient. I understand as well. I just think respectfully to Jim Dimmick, we probably are in a better place with Brett White as our defensive coordinator. And... I mean, I'll get this out of the way. I am family friends with Brett White. Uh, we used to do jiu-jitsu at the same place. My missus is friends with his missus. So I remember messaging you, and I'm going to wink at the camera, and I hope Brett doesn't watch this because he specifically <laughs> told me not to tell anyone. I remember telling you after it was broken in the news how excited I was <laughs> that we had Brett coming. <laughs> Please yep. don't uh, choke me out next time I see you, Brett. Uh, usually, Blaze, we would give our three two ones from the previous game. There's no previous game, so I thought we're just past the halfway mark. Uh, where what 13 games we've played this year, probably a chance to give our three two ones for the season. Yeah, just before we do idea? give our three two ones here, I do want to also leave a positive note in regards to the fact that we have had all three of our buyers, and we are the only team actually to have had all three of our buyers so far, which uh, can be seen as a negative. You know, there are teams, a lot of teams that are on the same amount of points as us or just below us that haven't had their full buyers yet, which does mean that we need to win. Uh, However, for me, I see it as a positive. We now know that we don't get a break from now on. We now know what we have to do to achieve the goal of making the eight. And we are aware of what is kind of outlined for us going into the rest of the season. Whilst other teams, they still have their buys to come. And whilst that can be great, I just feel like for us, considering the situation and where we've kind of been to get to this point right now, I do actually find that it is a benefit to to have no more buys the rest of the year and we can just pummel it on forward. And I took a note while you were speaking about the mindset of that, the mindset knowing that we don't have a break. It is go stations for the rest of this year. Mm. Whereas other teams could get bogged down a little bit. Oh, we lost the game. That's right. We've got to buy next round. We've got a week off. Um, whereas we know there's a, there's no more Knights Barley's trips. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, you know they beat us after that game, man. You know, you, 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 we, we can't be talking about that. They beat us. I was there. It was not fun. All right. And, and it came out the only actual player that went over was Bradman Best to help. And even he scored a try against us. He scored a try against us too. Oh, stop it, man. Yeah. Gee whiz. No. Well, in all seriousness, we, the mindset has to be there. We know we don't have another break. It's mm. go stations from this point of the season. And we've got a great opportunity. I'm really, really excited for the end of this year. Um, I guess I'll kick us off. My three for this year, I just couldn't go past Tino Fass or Malawi, our leader in everything we do. I feel like there's players that have had individually better games than Tino, but collectively, he has not had a bad game for us this year. Haven't got his stats up in front of me, but you don't need the stats when you talk about Tino. You know exactly what we get from him every week. It's all heart, all passion. 
usually up there with the most meters, right up there with the most tackles. And I, I, I think we said it last week, we both can't give him enough credit. So I'm going to go ahead straight away, give it to our captain. He earns my three for the mid-season award. Who have you got for your three points? Yeah, it's impossible to go past Tino for Asul Malawi. He's been absolutely incredible this season in every regards. Obviously, you know, the results haven't necessarily showed a great deal, but we are still absolutely very competitive, and he is a major part for that. We're very lucky to have a young man in, in Tino Fasul Malawi who has come from Melbourne Storm, Storm System who are used to winning, and obviously he's done his best to translate that, and he's still got a lot of experience and a lot of learning still to go. However, you know, there's no better man in our club right now to take us forward than Tino, who, you know, he lives he dies, he breathes, he just encapsulates everything that is the Gold Coast. And if you, uh, anybody has watched the, the uh, video of him on the Gold Coast Titans Instagram or Facebook where he was just talking about his love for the, the city, the Gold Coast, and, and uh, what we're trying to achieve and, and what it represents, it just shows how indebted he, indebted he is to this organization. So, yeah, I love Tino. He definitely gets my three points. Dead set. That video was enough to make a grown man cry, if I'm absolutely honest. Did make me cry. I love it. Uh, mate, I love the passion. I mean, I, I love the passion, you know. Um, Tino bought the passion and his fans, we, we gave it right back. We loved that video. I, I love him in our uh, press conference this year as well. Like, he's had some moments where um, he's had opportunities to offer excuses. And he's mm. always just responded to journalists. No, that's, that's what he... I'll, I'll accept that. I'll move on. We'll move on. I just love that attitude. And the other thing to remember is he's so young. Most props don't like generally hit their prime unless you paint house um, until 28 30 and so mm. you know you think how many years an experience he has ahead of him he is going to be an elite prop for our club for a very very long time i'll go straight back to you for your two points who are you going for two yeah, I think my two points has to go to Dave Fafida. He has had a gigantic return season this year. Obviously, last year, we, we did see that uh, he was copping a lot of criticism and unnecessary criticism too. Dave was uh, in nowhere near the bad play that people were making him out to be, but yet it was a club issue and, and everyone in the club was having a down year. And his stats were still fine. like They were still acceptable. You still loved watching Dave go out there. He wasn't scoring the same amount of tries that he did the previous season where I think he scored 17 or 20. Or, or something like that. He was he wasn't scoring as many tries, and the whole club was having a down year. But this year, you know, he's re-signed that new contract. He's he's put himself back into the, the Gold Coast for the next couple of years until 2026, I think it is. And it just shows, you know, he he really has become a bigger man, a better man. He's become a more rounded player. It's not just about the attack anymore. He is very good defensively. He is very good attacking wise, and I think that everything that he has done. In the off-season, learning from last year and learning from, I guess, the criticism, whether he listens to that or not, he has found a way to really rejuvenate himself, and that's why he's playing for Queensland again. You know, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's back in the Queensland frame, and, and everything about Dave is, is, uh, is all Gold Coast now as well. So, no, he gets my two points for sure. I hate to mirror you, but I have to go the exact same way with Dave. I, I was going to go over some stats. I think the best way to capture it is probably just fantasy points. I mean, everyone knows if you have a good fantasy score, you're playing good. Came to our club in 2021, had 65 average points. Last year, down to 52. Now, back up, averaging 62. And I really think that it, that also tells a story in itself. Because when he first came to our club in the first year, it was, wow, we've got this amazing attacking weapon. Let's use him as much as possible. And it worked. We tried to repeat that the next year. Our halves probably weren't playing as strong. And it was just a bit too predictable for Dave. Um, in the same way that Turbo is genuinely being shut down by a lot of teams this year. He's still having impact but not as much impact. So Dave went away. Dave thought, all right, well, I'm going to be more than just an X factor back row that scores tries in the Jeremiah Nanai mold. Uh, I'm going to build myself into a holistic player. And we see it now. 
He's one of the best defenders, best decoy runners, best offloaders, best try assists. Uh, some of the stuff he's doing this year is just absolutely unreal. The fact he re-signed, can I be completely honest? I thought he was gone. I did not think we were going to keep him. I was really worried at one stage. Um, I thought the Broncos would try to get him back. I thought the Raiders offer might be too enticing. The fact we kept Dave um, and the fact he's come through all the criticism he received externally from uh, other fans of the, of the code and even some fans inside our club gave Dave a hard time. I'm so happy to see it and I'm so thrilled to give him my two points. Mm. For my one-point plays, I was so split on this one. So I'll give an honourable mention right now to Moeki Fotuaka, who just deserves so much credit for what he's done this year. He's been brilliant. But I've actually gone Tanner Boyd. I've gone Tanner Boyd because coming into this season, he was probably viewed at best as our 14. I think a lot of people were happy to persist with Toby Sexton in that seven next to Kieran Foran. And Tanner has really come out and made that seven jersey his own this year with remarkable kicking game, great control of our side. I was really excited to see him link back up with Dave, given they played mm. Schoolboys Australian together and for Kibra. But I, uh, what started as being keen for that has just grown into so much more. I love watching Tanner play well now. And uh, I think he's been a really, really big part of our success so far this year. Your one point. Are you going to mirror me again or have you got someone else? So I probably would have mirrored you, but I'm going to put somebody else out into the equation just for the sake of, of having a different 3 to one Otherwise, we'd have the exact same three. However, I will touch on Tanner there because obviously it has been a pretty significant week in regards to the club where, you know, the news of Ben Hunt, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but there has been a lot of news about that. And I, I feel like, you know, Tanner Boyd doesn't deserve a lot of the criticism that he's, he's copying because of it because he has been, he is a part of a team in a halfback role, which is predominantly, you know, there to attack. And there's scoring 26 to 28 points every single week. And Tanner Boyd, he's one of the best kickers in the game. You know, he's really learning. He's he's come leaps and bounds this year. You know, obviously we did go with Toby last year and that didn't necessarily work out. We then went with Tanner and everyone was loving him. And now, you know, we, we get this new, you know, uh, grass is green on the other side. And it's like, yeah, look, Hunt's great, but let's not disrespect a man who's been doing really well for us this season. And I've loved everything to do with Tanner and he's just so down for this club every single thing that he does is he's just such a hard worker and I've just loved the leaps and bounds that he has made so he's definitely deserving of a point there and you know I really uh, I, I really have love having Tanner Boyd at the club and you obviously said Moaki Fodawaka I think he's been unreal but I also want to give my point to Philip Sami I think he's had a rejuvenation year as well I think that back in 2020 Obviously, uh, he made the origin and didn't really have a great origin debut there. Uh, you know, obviously, from then, didn't really have the greatest of couple of years. But it just seems like he's a new Phillips Army again. You know, we saw in his uh, uh, milestone game the other day where he just he's ran for like 280 meters or something like that. Scored a try. It, it just seems like he... He's putting his name back up for Queensland selection again. And I've loved seeing the return of Philip Sami because it has been a little bit different to recent years. I think his defense has become better. And, um, you know, our wings are so full of depth. And yet he is pretty much our main winger right now. You know, we originally thought it was Jojo. I'd say Philip is back to being that number one guy. I'd say he's back to being that number one guy. So, yeah, I'd give my one point to Philip Sami, take it out of that. Um, you know, those 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 main guy equations there and, and kind of look at what would be regarded as a little guy position on the wing and say, yeah, Sammy has been fantastic. Mate, I'm so thrilled you said Sammy. I had a feeling you might go that way because I know I was very close to going that way as well. Uh, his comeback has been, maybe not even a comeback, his uh, rise in form. He was still playing great last year, but he's just gone to a new level this year to the point where, yeah, genuinely, you could have put him in that Maroon squad and he would not have looked out of place. 
Um, I've had him in my second or first all NRL team for most of this year. And while you were talking there, I went ahead and got some stats up. Now, I probably should have mentioned at the start of the show, of course, we will discuss Ben Hunt. Um, mm. Seems to be in the news a little bit like recently. Uh, <laughs> a yeah, little so bit. Tanner Boyd, <laughs> <laughs> and so Tanner Boyd has the same forced dropouts as him this year. He's, not, he's running about half the meters and four less try assists. Now, it doesn't sound that great, but... I mean, can we, can we just consider we're comparing Tanner in his first full season in the NRL at halfback to a player that has 300 games and everyone's saying whoever signs him is immediately a premiership contender. You know, just to even be close in the stats there is a great job by Tanner. So yeah, recap, my three, two, one in order. Tino, Dave, Tanner, yours, Tino, Dave, Sammy. Absolutely. Honorable mention for me went to Moeki Fotueka. I guess you're going to go the same way there. Yeah, I I would. I think that you know you look through through the team and you could you could name a couple. I, you know what I would. You'd even make an argument for the fact that Chris Randall's come in and, and done a job, considering that you know he had a lot of criticism surrounding the the, the transfer of Craig Martiu, and yet he's come in and we've needed him in that number nine role, and he's done a very solid job throughout. And you know he's just a, a hard worker and he's throwing himself at tackles. Maybe not the greatest attacking hooker, but you know you could definitely give a, a bit of a shout out to Chris Randall as well. Love Chris Randall call. He did break the record for the most tackles of a debutant in his NRL debut. Um, so yeah, big fan of Chrissy Randall and what he's done for us this year. It's at this point of the show, we'll go around the grounds. We'll talk about our reserve grade sides and, um, and and our players that played, how they went. Usually I'll be covering Tweed, BKR, Burley. Unfortunately for you this week, mate, the uh, Bears <laughs> are high. So I'll, I'll kick us off here. Tweed defeat the, uh, the Cutters 32-28. to now, interesting one for this, Tremaine Scry, who's been playing in the centres there this year, moved to fullback. Um, he had two try assists and three line break assists, so great ball-playing ability there by uh, Scry. Jojo Fafita had the most wi- uh, most run metres, sorry, of anyone from Tweed at 165. He also had the most tackle breaks at six and a try. Toby Sexton, our man, had two try assists. He kicked three out of six goals, and he was still running that footy at 86 metres, which is great to see. Joe Werner had the most hit-ups at 12 for 108 metres, and he also had 19 tackles there. Tweed currently sits seventh with that win on the ladder. For the Bears, I guess, give us their ladder position and anything else if you see fit. The, the ladder position is second place, and it was their buy round, and go the Bears. That's what we have to say about the Bears right now, because, yeah, no, they did not play. And So are they actually second? Uh, because... I know that they yeah. are because it would have been you, you would have seen South Logan probably get a win, which would have kept them staying above. Let me just quickly go have a look there. Uh, yeah, South Logan yeah. beat Papua New Guinea Hunters forty to ten in Papua New Guinea there, so that was a big win. And uh, wow, that takes their points differential one hundred eighty four comparatively to the Burley Bears who are one hundred thirty six, and the Bears are actually the third best points differential because uh, Winner Manly, who are in third place, they're on one hundred sixty six. However, uh, Winner Manly are on twenty points. South Logan and Burley are on 24 points apiece. So at least with Burley, they are four points uh, ahead of the next best there and on the same amount of points as first. And they've played one less game. So yeah, uh, you know, big signs there for Burley. And uh, I think they'll be doing pretty well this year, regardless of, um, you know, the fact they didn't play this week. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm not sure on the exact rule for Queensland Cup, but I do know your NRL players that are aligned to that club must play a certain amount of games. Mm. Um, But it it could get to the stage where... I'm not sure on the exact rule, so maybe I'm wrong here, but we could see quite a few Titans turning out um, for them come the finals time as well, which would be exciting. And of course, we say this every week, but if we do get our own uh, Titans-Queensland Cup team next year, then that's going to be awesome as well. Every week, we also review our current injury list. Now, I'm I'm not pleased to say it again, 
faux firma ACL season. I think we can take it off next week. Everyone's aware of it. Outside yeah. of that, we're relatively fit and healthy. So, I mean, very unlucky to lose Bo, and we miss you, mate, but very lucky otherwise apart from that. The next point of the show, we always go through and review our team list. So I'm going to get that up for us now. We'll go through our team list and see uh, what our key changes were, who's in, who's out. Uh, straight away, I think the biggest thing to talk about is our origin reps are named to back up. I wanted to ask you, so I can see Mo, Tino, and Dave are all on the starting side. Given last time we played the Broncos, we had a, a really, well, not a big, sorry, we had a small halftime lead. It was bigger until our last play of the game. We won't mention that. Yeah. Um, were you tempted to, or would you have been tempted to move those three onto the bench and bring them on later? Or do you think it's really important we start with our origin reps? I think that this is a very, very important game. And I think that we, unfortunately... Well, it is at least Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's four days after Origin. Uh, it's not a Friday night game or a Saturday game. It is as far as possible as you can be. Well, it's not as far as possible because there is two games after us on the Sunday. But I, I believe that... Look, I think these guys should be well-rested by that point. Well, as rested as they could be. And, you know, they are playing at Suncorp Stadium as well. So, you know, it is a very big ask. I, I do prefer to see the likes of Tino, Dave and Moeki starting. Whether that be the case or not, when the uh, team list gets named uh, on the day, that might be a different story. But no, I think that it is a, a necessity here because we're not going up against a team in the bottom four right now. We are going up against a team that is literally in first place and that has a hoodoo over us in recent years with, uh, as we said last week, the team that somewhat initiated this kind of comeback second half curse that we do seem to have, and especially at Suncorp Stadium as well. So, yeah, look, obviously nervy times, but you've got to be confident in the boys, and, and hopefully, obviously, Queensland win on Wednesday, and the boys come in off a high. But then again, so do the, uh, the Broncos players as well. They've got Paddy Carrigan there, who's playing in Origin. They've got Selwyn... Oh, is Selwyn Kapo playing Origin? No, he's not. Xavier Cozy is, isn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's only Reese Walsh and Paddy Carrigan. Paddy Carrigan. Flegler. Oh, wow. Uh, and Flegler. Okay, so... Not as many as I thought, though. You know, obviously gone are the days where Broncos had like eight players out uh, due to origin, mm. and uh, and Kurt Catewell's out as well. So you know, I, I think that um, I think uh, look, I think that it's a good idea to keep them starting. Yeah, Kurt Catewell, a quad. Um, what did they say? A quad tendon injury. He'll be out for two weeks. So for the Broncos, Brendan Piacura, um comes into their starting side. Uh, who's actually coming to us next year? Piacura is. Piacura isn't that the one was, who's going? I thought it was Palacia. No, you're right, Kim Palacia. <laughs> that's well, that's my bad, Kim Palacia as well. I'll, I'll take Pierre Cure as well, because he actually did go to the school on the Gold Coast um, mm. at uh, Palm Beach, Corumban. He was a schoolboy. Uh, Bulldogs wanted to sign him. Broncos ended up saying, no, we'll pay 750k for you. Uh, we we want to keep you bad. And he has only turned out for a couple NRL games since that. So, um, But he, he'll be eager, given it's his first start in the NRL. He'll be eager. Um, and I think he'll be marking up against Joe Stimson. So Joe's got a good job. Um, out there. Looking throughout the rest of their team, I mean, it, it's tough to say whether their origin players do back up or not. We know Selwyn Cobbo's not at 100% because of that hip pointer injury. That's the, He wasn't really dropped from the Maroons, but they kind of said, well, look, if you can't train fully all week, then we're going to bring in Coates. Of course, Billy Slater being an assistant at the Storm um, has worked with Coates in the past, so I think that makes sense. The biggest inclusion for us is Kieran Foran. No doubt mm. about that, but I do think that if Queensland win... Players like uh, Tino, AJ Brimson, who's been working with Billy Slater all week, could come back in with a real pep in their step and do a job for us. Uh, but yeah, Kieran Foran back, that push, pushes Jaden Campbell to the interchange. 
how do you think we use Jaden in this one? Do you think it really depends how the match plays out or do you see a particular way now how we should use him? Yeah, it's really difficult because obviously now we're, we're used to him playing in that 5-8 role or the fullback role. And he originally started out as the 14 and that's what we were expecting of him this season. But he hasn't really been able to play too much the 14 this season. And it's it's a really difficult one. You know, Kieran Foran has had his injury dilemmas and problems throughout the season. And you look, maybe around the 30-minute mark or even the 50th-minute mark, you, you see JC come onto that sixth roll and give it a bit of a spruce and give it a bit of pace there and uh, for the final 10 minutes or something. I don't know. It's a really difficult one. You just see maybe Kieran Foran come back in to settle it to all down. But AJ is going to stay in that fullback role. Uh, maybe they implement a three-half system at some stage, but I'm not too sure if JC really suits that three-half system with these two guys. I don't know. It's What do, what do you think, man? Because that's a, that's a difficult conundrum for Justin Holbrook, in my opinion. Yeah, I've, I've absolutely put you on the spot there with a tough question that, to be perfectly honest, I don't really have an answer for either. I do agree with you. I don't think you can play JC in the middle against Flegler, Haas, Carrigan, and mm. those big boys. It, it's just too much of a target and a liability. As we know, the Broncos really do like to roll up the middle before playing wide um, with Adam Reynolds and Ezra Mam. So I think for Jane, it, it, it's going to come down to the score. Do we need that extra attacking flair? And if so, do we take a risk and bring him on in the middle? But if not, it might come down to injury. Do we do we play foreign for 60 minutes and and just say, like, it sucks to bring off our best, most experienced player, but we can't risk him long-term? I'm not too sure, looking at the lineup, how we get JC into this contest. I, I, fingers crossed it's not through injury. But um, yeah, yeah, look, because Kieran Foran obviously comes back in off of an injury as well. So I don't know if he's 100% fit. How are you ever 100% fit? I know a lot of the boys... I always say you're never actually 100% fit in this game. And I don't know, maybe when Kieran Foran gets a little bit tired and due to the fact that he is coming off that injury, you can just chuck him into that six for a little bit. But again, yeah, it's a it's a big four-pack there for the Broncos that uh, that number six role is going to be seeing a lot of there. And we are going to need that real solid experience. And I love JC, you know, he's everything for this club. But, you know, Kieran Foran does have that significant experience that is going to be needed for a win at Suncorp Stadium. Only other area I can see, I know Chris Randall's out for one week suspended, so Sam Verrills hasn't played 80 minutes back yet. Maybe JC's moved on at hooker. Maybe Tanner moves into hooker and we operate with JC in the halves. I don't know. It's an interesting one. It's but it, You know, one thing is for sure, JC is so good. We need him there just in case and somewhere. It's hmm. just not clear where because he's so good everywhere. And so I actually think it's a compliment to JC um, and also a compliment to our depth at the moment. The other thing I'd like to call out is Cleese Haas coming off the bench. I reckon he's going to come on fresh. He scored last game. He's mm. going to single out his brother Payne Haas, who will be sore from origin. Big fend of the face. Cleese Haas, <laughs> try time, right under the posts. Mate, Cleese is the best Haas in the business. Cleese is the best Haas in the business. I don't know who the other person is that you're talking about, but Cleese is the best Haas in the business. Now, you bring him on, and he has definitely been progressing well. I've been loving the improvements that Cleese has been making, and we obviously saw him have a great game last week, albeit against the Tigers. But then again, that Tigers team was the same team we were saying has better, bigger, you know, back rowers. Not better, but more experience and and more well-regarded quality from the rest of the competition. A lot of, obviously, people around the NRL don't know the same things we do about our own players. So when you're looking at John Bateman and, and, and Isaiah Papali'i, you're assuming that they're going to roll over our back rowers. But I thought that we did a pretty good job in that regard and Cleese held his own there as well. So, yeah, I've been loving that inclusion there. And, you know, maybe soon we might see Cleese get into that back row and, and again, put Joe to that... Uh, 
you know, that prop rotation, you never know. But I just think that Cleese is a really good young bloke coming through the system and he's the best house in the business. I think long-term we'll see that too. It's, it, maybe it's a bit of a bold prediction now because Joe has that experience. But I think, yeah, by the, by the time hopefully we roll into finals, I reckon Cleese will be ready for that back row spot and Joey can go back to that bench middle rotation, either coming on at lock or prop as required for us. Hmm. Now the game, Broncos, Sunday, 2 p.m., Suncorp Stadium. Tough road trip. <sighs> Not a long road trip, but always a tough one, right? I know you're going to be going to this one. We go to every game, so I say that as well. <laughs> Some exciting intel. Let me re-say that. You go to every game, so you've been to Suncorp before. What's the atmosphere like there as the away fans? Hostile, friendly? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you... Yeah, hey, all I knew right. the answer to that one too. You know the answer to that one. Anyone who's seen my vlog from last year would know the answer to that one. It's not the most welcoming of atmospheres. I wouldn't personally bring my family along with me to the game. I'm uh, happy to get involved in the banter and the sledging and whatnot and the excitement. But yeah, it is a very uh, fire-fueled atmosphere because a lot of people discredit this rivalry. They don't actually realize that there's a lot that goes into Brisbane versus the Gold Coast in regards to uh, a lot of things off the field and on the field. You know, the Gold Coast came into the competition at a time and, and, and in 2007, and the Broncos haven't actually won a competition since then, as we outlined last uh, week on the podcast. Now, the reason being for that is that they had the monopoly of Queensland and they had the monopoly of Southeast Queensland. Let's remove the Cowboys for a second there. And then we came in, we you started, you know, taking up Kibra, PBC, you know, uh, Southeast Queensland, you know, we started going Burley, who Burley, I believe, used to be for the Broncos as well, uh, took up Tweed and, you know, we really diluted that that little pool there. And, and the Dolphins have now done that as well, as we've seen that they stole North Devils from the Broncos. So there's going to be a little bit of uh, hatred and animosity there as well. But it just seems that, you know, we're classified is that little brother there, the bigger brother. They pretend like they don't care, but I can tell you, if you go to the game and you understand this rivalry, there is a lot of... They care. <laughs> like, they absolutely care. They want to r remain bigger brother and they want to remain putting us down where we belong in their minds. So, no, it is very fiery. It's very fueled uh, of plenty of gasoline and uh, I'm looking forward to it, but I also know what's coming is what I would say to that. And I always find Broncos fans have been so dismissive of, of us over the years that it, it actually has annoyed me. Uh, you know, I want to be careful not to swear on the podcast or, or <laughs> unprofessional um, in case anyone clips it and it ends up somewhere. But it has very, it has frustrated me um, with how Broncos fans have treated us in the past. I remember, I can't remember the exact game, but um, Nicarima was playing for them. And I was in the stands and I'd had a few beers. I think I would have been like 19 or 20. And I called out, uh, what's he doing out there? He, he looks more like a jockey. And he, he did <laughs> score two. He had a really good game. Um, in fact, the way that game ended was James Roberts, who I hated at the stage. I can get why you left us, but stuff you. It's another player that has a year for us and then goes to the Broncos. Jesse Arthur's another. Um, I can't think. I don't want to think of more examples, but it's happened. Ryan James, one of our greatest captains. And James Roberts scored that try um, right mm -hmm. on the buzzer to win the game. And I got showered in drinks, all the Broncos fans around me. Because fair enough. I mean, I was giving it to them the whole game. They gave it back to me right at the end. And so fast forward a year, I was starting to coach the Helensvale Hornets under 14 side. And I thought, well, who, who better to learn from than Wayne Bennett? So I was going to Broncos training sessions, taking notes on what he did and implementing that with my team. And at the end, I, I thought I'll get a few photos signed while I'm up here. And I had one of James Roberts celebrating the try. And as he signed it, he said to me, I bet you love that one, bro. And in my mind, I, I, I said, yeah, I did. And in my mind, I was like, no, 
I really hated that one actually, bruh. But I'll let it slide. Jimmy the Jet, just uh, you know, watch watch yourself in the future. No, I'm only I'm only messing. Um, but of course, with Broncos fans, they do always say our win percentage is so much higher than the Titans. But really, every team plays for a premiership, right? No one finishes the year and goes, ah, well, we won seventy percent of our games. Like if you didn't win, if you're not first, you're last in the NRL as far as the history books are concerned, at least. Mm-hmm. We did play them early this year. Where we were up 14-10 at halftime. They then went on to beat us 43-26, to um, which was pretty frustrating for us. That was their fourth win in a row over us. I think they're aiming for five in a row, which mm-hmm. we really, really uh, have to make sure that doesn't happen. Now, I look at that game, Blaze, and I want to take confidence from the first half. I really do. I want to think, you know, we were playing so great in the first half against the side that was first at the time. But because we, we've done that same second half so many times now, I struggle to find a positive in it. Mm-hmm. Am I right in that? Am I being too critical? How do you feel about our last encounter with the Bronx? Uh, well, last encounter with the Bronx. And I love the, the passion there. I can feel the... Uh, I can actually <laughs> feel my body and my, my blood boiling thinking about this game. I really can. Because I know what I went through last year. I won't go too much into it. But it was very, 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 very bad in regards to the way that Suncorp Stadium is towards Titans fans and whatnot. But... Um, yeah, look, I think that this game is, is very similar in the regards to the first game this season to games that we've had against them in the past in 2021. We led 22-0 against the Broncos in the first 20 minutes, and then at halftime, it was 22-22. The next year, and we lost that game, I think, by about 10, 12 points. The next year, which was last year, that was a fun game to be a part of the Suncorp Stadium. Uh, we went up, what was it, 24-4 to at halftime and ended up getting chased down and and they won like 32-24 or, or whatever it was. And, you know, that was really, really embarrassing and humiliating uh, as a Titans fan that day. You know, it was a really, really tough day. And I'll never forget it. And then this year, I didn't find it as tough and embarrassing because we did still score a lot of points. We did still show a lot of positives. And I think that what I took from that was that when Mo and Tino were off, that's when the Broncos really started to roll forward. So we need Justin this week to really implement that that uh, interchange well because that's where the Broncos found their space and found their pace and obviously the silly play just before halftime where we tried to go for a try and we didn't need to and then uh, I think it was Reese Walsh knocked, got it and then passed it off to Herbie and he broke away and that pretty much killed us off in that game even though at the time you don't think it kills you off that effectively is what killed it off because a try before halftime it always kills us it, within the last yeah. five minutes of the first half it always kills us so yeah uh, you go back to that game and you think well that game was very similar to what we've seen in recent years against these guys. So hopefully it doesn't happen this time. Uh, but, you know, I I do still remember, you know, and I'm always going to remember. And it's very hard to get stuff like that out of the, the memory bank. But, you know, you've got to remain positive. You've got to believe in the boys. And, you know, this is a bit of a different team to what we saw last year as well. You know, we've got Loffy who didn't play last year. Uh, we've got Kieran who wasn't playing. Toby was playing in that seven that last year as well. You know, and then we've got Sammy Verrills who's going to be starting in, in the hooker for us as well. You know, Joe Stimson's there. You know, we've got a whole heap of different guys that hopefully won't have that same ability. But again, we did see it this year. So it's just going to be about focusing up, keeping that mentality for the second half. And, uh, you know, Tanner Boyd obviously having a, a, a real kind of get it up your game to, to prove himself and show that he is the man for the job at the number seven. I love it. And the team doesn't need more motivation. We're talking about coming up against the Broncos. That's for sure. Let me be clear. I'm wearing Maroon for those that are watching instead of listening as a podcast. <laughs> this is for Queensland, not You chose to wear Maroon this week, man. You chose to wear Maroon of all weeks. This I know it's Origin, but like we're playing the Broncos and this is Titans yeah. podcast. My goodness, mate. 
yeah you, you know i'm really starting to rethink my life choices now <laughs> <laughs> I, I really am uh but there was the two games last year and i'm not sure which one it was in particular i know both were pretty i guess as a titans fan humiliating and i guess people will probably think i'm exaggerating here but like genuinely i got slammed online for our loss oh i know bro so yeah i was like a little humiliated myself actually and it's not to make it about me i was upset for the team but yeah it was it was tough it was tough going now there was two games there was one i remember where it was raining very heavy in canberra and i had a leak in my shed and i just didn't care because the feeder had just scored i think when we were down to 11 on the field that was the one and then yep. and was that the same game where we went for a short dropout when we were up on the uh, scoreboard as well uh yes and then they scored straight away yes so it wasn't that game. That game crushed my soul. The next game, <laughs> I was, I, I'm not even uh, like, I, dude. I don't want to make this sound like I'm joking, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm being over the top. But I genuinely did throw up, and I'm not sure if it was due to something I ate or or what it was. But genuinely, about the 60 minute mark of the next game we versus Broncos, I threw up. Yeah, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. That's I don't know what it was, but I, I'm not even exaggerating. Well, just just I just rushed. to. Just just to quickly, so to reiterate to people who might be listening and, and kind of wondering why we're talking about this, like this is because this is what this rivalry means to, to people here, you know, and although it may sound silly to some, like it doesn't sound silly to me and it doesn't sound silly to Clarkie either. Like this is how the uh, the fuel and the fire of this, this rivalry is. And although Broncos fans may not see it similarity-wise because... You know, they have others that they focus on. I can tell you right now that when it comes to game day, they are just as hot fuel, hot-headed as, as we are, right? So these are just a few stories and of, of what we kind of go through. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is is that I still go there on Sunday and Clark still watches and you guys still watch at home. So, um, yeah, that's why we're kind of like talking about this because it is it, it is a, a real kind of... It's, it's a big one, man. It's a big game. And let me be clear, it's not all negatives. I remember the game a few years ago, Sammy scored a hat-trick against the Broncos. Mm. I actually was at my parent-in-law's house and I jumped so high, I actually was like moving the house that all their photo frames and like candles all fell over. That's literally how high I was jumping and just slamming in excitement. So it's not all doom and gloom. And I guess that just shows, as you said, how much it does mean to us. Now, the Broncos have beaten all Queensland sides this year. They've beaten us, they took on the Cowboys and beat them and the Dolphins. So I think it's clear they're trying to send a message and in that regard, I think it is unlikely we catch them in an oof game, a game where, you know, you sort of disregard and they move forward next week and get back to their best. We need a 9 out of 10 performance, in my opinion. And to be and to just be perfectly honest here, I was going to say brutally honest, but just perfectly honest, we're expected to lose this game. Yes. You look at where the Broncos are on the ladder, you look at their recent form, you look at ours, you look at their roster, they're expected to win. But I'm so excited by that. I'm so excited with this underdog status and what our team has the possibility to achieve in this game. And yeah, I, I, just, I just can't help but be optimistic and, and really, really exciting whilst fully admitting on paper the Broncos should beat us, right? Well, I get a really good vibe about this game. And the reason why is because I, I think that Tanner Boyd's going to have a cracker. I think that he has to have a cracker because we all know what, what's going on in the media right now, as I said before. And Tanner Boyd has to have a real big bolter so that, you know, because I, I know what our fans can be like. I know that a lot of a lot of blame might go towards him unnecessarily. And I know that he's going to go out there and he's going to absolutely crush it and show why he is the man for the job. And then obviously people will then start saying, well, mate, look, Tanner Boyd's at seven. Maybe Ben Hunt goes into the six if he signed or does he go somewhere else? Like, it, I, I just feel like I can I can vibe a massive Tanner game here and 
he's gonna he's gonna really kill it. So I, I love that. And look, we've got the pace to match him. You know, you go in the fullbacks. I still maintain to this day that if AJ Brimson is not injured in game one, I believe Billy selects him over Reese Walsh. I still maintain that. When you go to the wingers, there Corey Oates and someone Cabo versus Alofiana Camprera and Philip Sami. Alofiana Camprera has Corey Oates beaten for speed there, and and someone come on Philip Sami. You can actually kind of put them on a similar level there. Um, Corey Oates has got the experience, but in the same sense, I do think that Lofi can obviously beat him for speed and get around him. But I do obviously worry about him in the air there with Corey. The center pairing, Herbie Farmworth and Stags against Kelly and Shoup. Look, I, I don't think that it is a complete and utter drop-off by any means that people will like you to believe, although the quality of the Broncos is there. And then you go to the halves there, Reza Memon, Adam Reynolds. Like, they do have a really good combination there. But Kieran Foran and Tanner Boyd, when they've played together this season, have been fantastic as well and may not have that crazy X-factor like what an ex, uh, Ezra Memon and Adam Reynolds have together. But I just know that Kieran and Tanner are going to really focus on this game to, to be the one to, to get over the line because I know Tanner... He, he'd buy just as much into this as, as we are right now, and he's going to love it. And then we, we look, the forwards, I, I'd say we've got a better four-pack. We, we do have a better four-pack. I'm sorry, but Mawaki Fodawaka and Tina Fasso and Malawi versus Flegler and Payne Haas. i got Mawaki Fodawaka and Fasso and Malawi there. Payne Haas is, is obviously the best for, uh, front row in the game, but the combination of those two on that right-hand side is just fantastic. Sam Verrills and Billy Walters, I'm taking Verrills. For Feeder and Stimson versus Ricky and Brendan Piakura, I'm taking our back rowers there with ease, actually, in my personal opinion. And then Liu and Carrigan, I'll take Carrigan. But, you know, I love Liu, but I, I, Carrigan is a Queensland representative. So I don't think that it is as much of a mismatch as people do believe there. It's just that it comes down to the fact that what you said, we need to have a 9 out of 10 game. And if we don't have a 9 out of 10 game, we will lose this game. But I believe we can have a 9 out of 10 game. I'm so excited for the opportunity. I had to look through the stats in this one. We are averaging 34 missed tackles per game, and they're averaging the second most tackle breaks of any club uh, per game at 39. So I do think they're going to have opportunity to score, but I'm also excited about that because I feel like all our players know the importance of this game. They'll be right up for it. And so I do expect our goal line scramble defense to be a little bit better than usual. Um, And I do think that we can limit their ability to score just purely through our own desire. We will miss tackles, fair enough. They will break tackles, but... If we want this game bad enough and we go after it with a 9 out of 10 effort, then uh, I definitely uh, think we can win. So to summarize it from my perspective, at least, BKR, I would say we are expected to lose on form. The right Mm. tip is the Broncos. Fair enough if you're going to tip them. I get it. But I'm going to back our boys a 1,000% here, and I'm really excited for the opportunity we have. And I guess you mirror those thoughts as well. 100% 100% man, and again, I'm going to reiterate it. I know Tanner's going to have a huge game. I know Tanner is going to have a huge game. I have no doubts in my mind that he is going to get the job done and people are going to be like, well, Ben Hunt who right now? Because Tanner Boyd, he's looking like the seven for the future. Mate, let me jump on that tip. And if we do get it wrong, obviously we'll be back here next week to recap it when we preview our next game as well. But I'm jumping on that train as well. Tanner for MVP for this game. Mm-hmm. Love it. At this point of the show, we'd like to finish off with a little bit of Q&A. So we have three questions. If you do want to ask a Q&A, the best way to do that is through the Gold Coast Titans Frontline podcast page. That's on Facebook. Um, just start typing in Gold Coast Titans Frontline. There'll be two groups. Join them both. One's the podcast, one's the group. Um, our first one did come through. This one's from Dino Chops. He says, if Ben Hunt signs, what does that mean for rostered players Boyd, Sexton, and Weaver? I think it's a great question. I think we might be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves whilst it is exciting to think of the possibility of a 300-game veteran joining us. Um, I mean, for me, the I think the way it would look would... Tanner would be pushing for that 14 jersey between him and Jaden Campbell, depending on if Jaden's at one, Grimo at centre, as we've spoke about previously. I'm, I'll be honest, I don't know where it would leave Toby Sexton. 
And I think they would continue with Tom Weaver, given he was the uh, schoolboy's halfback. He did have that drink driving um, offense, which this club stuck through and through that. So I do think they're high on him. And he did play well in that under-20s game for the Blues. So that's how I see it at the moment. Um, I'm not, not 100% sure with Sexton. That's probably the biggest question mark for me. And, and I know it's tough for you because you are uh, personal friends with Toby. But if you can, how do you see it playing out for all three of those players? If, and, and let me be clear, if, we were to sign Ben Hunt. Yeah, that's what I was about to reiterate. You know, Ben Hunt has been named as the seven for the Dragons this week. So there is no release just yet. I still believe that he'll be gone within a week or two weeks max. And I still don't believe he'll even play on Friday. But that's just an assumption. That's just a, an educated guess there that he doesn't back up from Origin. And he definitely doesn't play uh, on Friday night, two nights after Origin. Now, again, he has not been released yet. So uh, there is also going to be the Bulldogs who come into play. There is also going to be apparently the Roosters now. You've got the Dolphins there. People start. Every single team on the planet wants Ben Hunt right now. It's just he's such a high commodity. And this is a massive, massive talking point. And I get it. I understand why Titans fans would love a guy like Ben Hunt with that experience, you know. But. Tanner Boyd is progressing well. He's 22 years of age. Ben Hunt is 33 years of age. I would love to bring Ben Hunt in. I'm not a denier of that at all. I would love Ben Hunt if the opportunity was there um, and, and he can go into that seven role or there's a potential of even putting him into that six role because Kieran Foran, you know, has been having his, his injury problems of late. However, you know, I believe that Ben Hunt is actually older than Kieran as well, fun fact. So that could be incorrect. I think Kieran might be 32 and Ben Hunt might be 33, but... I think Tanner stays for sure. I don't know if he starts in the seven. As you said, mirror your thoughts on the potential of him being in 14. I definitely think that he remains with this club and I would want him to remain with the club because again, he is 11 years younger than what Ben Hunt is. This is not a long-term solution in regards to the on-field, you know, seven per, you know, playing style for our club going forward. You know, we do need someone to play when he does retire. He's not going to go on forever. So I believe Tanner Boyd is definitely that guy for, for that position there. And Ben Hunt is an absolutely immense mentor, an immense mentor to have. So again, I reiterate, I would love to have Ben Hunt, but we have to remain with Tan, Tanner Boyd as well. Then you've got Toby. Toby, yeah. I think that Toby was given an unfortunate opportunity last year, which was very similar to what we saw with Ash Taylor, where there was no one who actually was able to really partner him in the halves of experience level. You've seen with Tanner, he has risen a light years above what he has been alongside a guy like Kieran Foran. We, we didn't see that with Toby Sexton. He had AJ Brimson, who went to the 5'8". He's more of a fullback, but AJ Brimson, even if you do like him as a 5'8", it's not an experienced 5'8 in that regards. It's not like a Kieran Foran. So I think Toby last year, he was just kind of persisted with too long and the results just kept impacting him and the results just kept impacting the club and he became, you know, a a, a large scapegoat and, and wasn't exactly playing his grace 40 towards the end of it. Um, but, you know, it, it, is a, it is an unfortunate potential loss there, you know, and I am, I do love Toby as a guy, you know, but also business is business and, uh, this is a, a cutthroat industry. And unfortunately, I don't think that we can keep the likes of Tanner, Toby, Tommy Weaver, Kieran Foran, and also Ben Hunt there. So he may be one to, to, to forego there. But in the same sense, I really hate saying that because I love Toby as a guy. And I know that he has that potential, but I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity again due to the fact, provided, you know, injuries. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to go above the likes of Tanner Boyd and Kieran Foran and Ben Hunt if he came and, and now Tommy Weaver, as you were saying. So, yeah, look, that's my thoughts on the situation. 
Tanner Boyd's going to have a big game this weekend against the Broncos. And you're right, Ben Hunt is 33 years old to Kieran Foran's uh, 32. So mm-hmm. if we were to sign Ben Hunt, presumably only on a two-year deal. So then the question becomes for Toby Sexton. You you probably are good enough to be a halfback or a 5'8 that a lot of NRL clubs, um, maybe even the Dolphins, a short move up the coast. But do you want to potentially wait around for that to occur? And I took a note while you were speaking. Uh, I think it's truth. True or false, I'll, I'll throw it to you. Toby Sexton could be the best. Oh, sorry, could be the best halfback of all three that we currently have, being himself, Weaver, and Boyd. I think he could be the best of all three. I think that he absolutely has that potential, and that's why a lot of Dragons fans have actually been saying, "I've been because I'm in all the different Facebook groups of all the different teams, just to kind of get a read about what other fans' perspectives and opinions are." And a lot of Dragons fans have been like, "Well, if he's going to go to the Titans, as in Ben Hunt." then why don't we ask for Toby Sexton back in return? And I actually wouldn't mind that for Tobes. You know, he's a young bloke, and I know he's a Gold Coaster, but, you know, he's a young bloke. He could go there, be a part of their rebuild, and get some, you know, first-grade action. And, uh, you know, has got has got some reps under his belt and, and can be a quality player there. Obviously, would be going to a team that is in a very, very big struggle street situation. But it just shows that, Toby does still have it, despite the results that we saw last year. Other teams still look at him and go, you know what, he's actually not too bad. You know, it's just that maybe the situation wasn't right for him. And again, I compare Toby Sexton and Ash Taylor very similarly with the way that they were kind of put into motion. So, yeah, I, I think that Toby has the best potential X factor of the three of them. But right now, I think that Tanner is incredibly solid, and I think that he is going to be our future seven. Yeah, I think Tanner's our future seven as well. So maybe I'm being a bit too bold. But yeah, I just think realistically when everyone's career's wrapped up, we could be saying Toby Sexton was the best of all three of those. And I don't mind him joining the Dragons either. I know a lot of people think, well, no, because Kyle Flanagan would go there with his dad. But Flanagan's been at Hooker all year in New South Wales Cup. And so, of course, that would leave uh, Toby there competing with Amone and Sullivan for a half position. Not silly to say that he's over them. But just to sort of sum up the if we sign Ben Hunt, I want to go through and say Dolphins... Yes. Bronco sorry, when I say yes, it's is the club would the club be interested or not? Dolphins, yes. Broncos, yes. Raiders, Bulldogs, us, Roosters. Probably the Knights. Roosters. Um Cowboys Tigers. probably would be as well. Yeah. Really, the only clubs you rule out are probably the Warriors. They've got four halves. Storm, they're settled with Hughes, as is DCE at the Seagulls, Panthers with Cleary, Moses at the Eels, and um Nicole's. Yeah. Yeah, Nick has at the shock. Sorry, every other club is literally a live option right now. So maybe we are going. A, a oh, just, this this is a little bit of a rabbit hole that we're going to cut right after it. But could you imagine after all of this mess that was sink at St. George that Ben Hunt went to Cronulla? <laughs> could you imagine the scenes? The only thing that could be crazy oh, in that no. with what we've seen. <laughs> is it Ben Hunt just suddenly re-signed with the Dragons? Oh, no. I said, nah, actually, I'm going to stay. That seems more unlikely at this point. April Fool's in, in, in June. Yeah, I just could That yeah. would be just wild. I know that's completely off topic from what we're talking about, but, man, that would just be... That would be hilarious, not for Dragons fans, but hilarious for everyone else. Like, he's just like, you know what? I'm going to go to Cronulla. They're going to put Nico in the six, Ben Hunt in the seven, which would actually be fantastic, by the way. Uh, but that would just be... Anyway, that was just a little bit of a sidetrack in my, my brain just then, thinking about that one. It'll be mind-blowing. It'll be the second Dragons captain in a row to defect to the Sharks, of course, including Cameron <laughs> McInnes. Uh, we're going to talk more Ben Hunt. This is what people wanted in the Q&A. So, of course, we are bound by your questions. James Ha says... Offering Ben Hunt $1 million is absurd after what happened with Ash Taylor. 
I'll answer this one first because I, I did a follower take on this this week that was super similar as well. Very different situations. Ash Taylor had shown awesome signs for us in his first year. We didn't know he had those hip and lower back injuries. Uh, the Broncos wanted him back, so we had to pay him what we had to to ensure our future uh, with him. Whereas Ben Hunt's 300 games into his career, he's won World Cups, he's won Origin Series, he's captain his side. You know what you're getting for that one mil, and there's no potential in it. You know exactly what you're getting. And so I think they're completely separate situations. And I'm assuming you probably see it that way as well. Oh, they're very vastly different situations. Like I had another comparison. People are throwing out mad comparisons recently on one of the Facebook groups of the Titans who said, oh, I, I don't want Ben Hunt because it, it, it seems like a very, another Jared Haynes situation. I'm like, well, this has got nothing. What? Like if you don't think that Hunt fits in with the team, like, cool, I get that. And if you want to back in Tanner, we're all back in Tanner. But, you know, if you don't think he fits in the team, that's fine and have that opinion. But wh- what comparison does Ben Hunt and Jared Hayne have together in the remote slightest right now? It's not even it's not even close. And then that one there, like, yeah, Ash Taylor was a prospect. Ben Hunt is experienced and wants to come home to Queensland. Ash Taylor was, you know, from here and... You know, Ash Taylor was an unfortunate situation that I'm not going to get into. But yeah, I, I think that they're very different scenarios. And if you if you want to provide experience to an extremely young team right now with a guy who played, you know, Queensland, uh, has played in a grand final, don't get into the depths of that, but has played a grand final, taking the team to that grand final, mind you. Just want to throw that out there. He got that Broncos team to the grand final. Yeah. Um, and, and has single-handedly held the Dragons away from being in last place for probably the last three, four years. So, you know, Ben Hunt is a guy that's proven. He's, he's not a, an unearthed product that has a lot of potential, which was Ash Taylor. He is a proven product. So, no, very, very separate situations there. And also, I don't believe that Ben Hunt's going to be getting a million dollars. So, at 33 years of age... He, the thing is, though, considering the amount of talk about it and the amount of significant just media push and management push and uh, there's there it could actually go for a high fee because he could easily be shopped around and just play everyone off each other it could really happen so maybe it, it, it takes a mil but very different to ash taylor yeah a bidding war could break out and for what it's worth with ash taylor i, I know people will probably remember the downs of his time with us. I actually remember a lot of the ups. I thought he had some good games for us, some some great memories. And, you know, it's over now. The past is the past. We can't change it. So, you know, I've got a lot of love for Ash Taylor. And, you know, he always mm-hmm. tried his best for us. And I've got some good memories um, of him. Final question of the show. Best Sport 2.0. I'm going to give a shout out to this bloke. He's always in the comments section um, mm-hmm. on my Instagram page. Uh, seems like a real cool character. He asked, when are we going to see Ken Mamalo play? So I got up, I've got up his Queensland Cup stats here. I'll read them out. Then you let us know how far he might be away. He's got 10 games, 8 tries, 2 try assists. So 100% try involvement rate. 25 tackle breaks, 12 line breaks. Uh, he's tackling at 74% efficiency out there on the wing, which is actually really good because a lot of those missed tackles, it's like it, it's too far to stop anyway as the winger. And he is averaging 164 meters. We know he's a Kiwi rep, a Samoan rep, played for the Warriors and the Tigers. How long until you think we see Ken Mamalo play for us here at the Titans? Yeah, it's a tough one because, again, our wing depth is well and truly covered right now. We've got Alofiana Camprera, who is in a race right now to get the most tries scored this season. He's going up against the likes of the big dogs like Mike Acevo and, and whatnot. So, very and hard to... Too. 
and Rookie of the Year is going in that shout there. And then you've also got Philip Sammy, who he's our main winger right now, realistically. Like, he is, he is incredible. So you can't see him getting over the top of him. And then you've also got Jojo Fafida, who uh, has been kind of pushed out for the time being due to the fact that our wingers just have been so good in Loffy and also Philip Sami. Um, you know, we've got Tremaine Spry pushing as well. Kemba Marlow has had uh, issues in regards to his Tigers tenure. Uh, I would love to see him get in, but I just don't know if it's a viable option as we currently speak, you know, despite injuries. And that's, I never like to speak about injuries because there's just no point. There's no point predicting injuries. It's stupid. So I don't know if he gets in off the back of talent alone, with all due respect. I, I think that right now he would have to get in based off of an injury and then would have to really make his name really heard. Because I remember a few years ago, the Warriors, he was one of the best wingers in the comp alongside, I think it was David Fusatua. And they were absolutely a night. Was it David Fusatua that I'm thinking about? Yeah, man, absolutely. It was uh, David Fusatua on the wing there. They had a great combo. I think Ken has actually been a Dalian wing of the year before as well. Um, he does. They've got him on zero tackle at 114 kegs, 28 years of age. And we do have him signed until the end of 2025. And I completely hear your point that we just have so much depth in the outside backs that... I wonder, could Kemba Marley become someone like a Chris McQueen, where they, they, they're obviously, or, or Corey Oates, where they can play wing and back row? Mm. Maybe not my favorite option, but well, maybe... That's what they're trying to do with Shoopy right now. That's what they're trying yeah. to do with, with Aaron Shoop. And so I don't love it, but I don't hate it, but maybe that's the way Ken breaks into our side. And he certainly is a powerful ball runner, if nothing else. I, I don't know the exact stats. I'd love to try to find them right now um, of, of what his averages have been in the NRL before. Because he is a guy that loves to have those early hit-ups. Yeah, at the Warriors, he had he'd averaged 190, then 187, then 176. Then he got traded or, or went to the Tigers where he, he ran about 130 per game. Mm. I mean, it's left field. I completely admit that. But maybe that's the way Mamalo breaks into our side as a back rower of someone we didn't expect to see there. Maybe. Yeah, that's probably the only way that I can see him getting in because I just I think our wing depth is, is way too strong at the moment. So, yeah, unfortunately for Ken, I can't see that happening uh, in the near future despite, you know, the touch wood. Hopefully there's not injuries, but I think that is probably right this very moment the, the, the time we probably would see him. That would be the only case. All right, guys. So, so at that point, we will close the show. Uh, we thank you very much for being with us. We'll be back next week to recap uh, all of the Broncos game. And of course, preview our next game. Every segment we went through every single week. And if you want more of our stuff, join the Gold Coast Titans Frontline podcast page. You can see me smiling because I stuffed up the last one, but you wouldn't have knew this because DK <laughs> edited it out for me. You can request. That's the word I didn't know. You can request to join that page and we will accept it very, very soon. So from myself and BKR, thank you very much for being here and go the mighty Gold Coast Titans. Let's get those Broncos. Give it to them. Exactly right, man. Get into it, man. I'll be there on Sunday. I can't wait. I cannot wait for that game against the Broncos. Obviously, guys on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Comment below your thoughts. If you've got thoughts about Ben Hunt or you've got thoughts about the team right now and or just getting around the team, go and comment it. Obviously, appreciate you guys over there on Spotify and Apple as well. And... Uh, Let's get this win, baby. Tanner for a big game MVP. I know it's coming. Let's get the Titans, baby.